You're listening to the IHOP KC Family Connect podcast. In these 30-minute family conversations, fueled by the Word of God, the beauty of Jesus, and His glorious return, we will explore the narratives the Lord is weaving in the story of the global body of Christ as we digest what the Lord is saying to the church today. Hello and welcome. My name is David Slyker. I'm the president of the International House of Prayer University, and I'm here with my dear friends, Dana Kendler. She's the prayer director, along with her husband, Matt, at the International House of Prayer University, and we so, I mean, you are beloved by our student body, by our team. You guys are just so beloved for what you do in serving. We love it. It's just, it's amazing. And then, of course, we're here with Isaac Bennett, the lead pastor of Foreigner Church, who we is also greatly beloved Hello. by our student body. I just want to make that really clear. Our students love you. They love being in your classes. They love being in church. I just, I couldn't be more happy as a Bible school leader, that my students love being I in church. I so enjoy our students and <laughs> the House of Prayer University, man. What a joy. It's so sweet. It's so sweet. I didn't, it was, I wasn't accidentally, I was kind of accidentally bragging on our students, mostly because I just, I love who you are, both of you, in the Lord. So we are in the middle of a conversation. We, we left off last week. We're picking it up again this week, if you don't mind. Because I think it's a very valuable conversation to have in the body of Christ. It's, a, and it's an unfortunately rare one, but I find it to be necessary, particularly in aiming at, to say it in the most shallow way possible, a successful fast. In other words, to actually make it to the end of 40 days, you need something more than rah-rah, inspiration, you got touched. I mean, how many times do you know young people and old that, uh, that they start a fast, and by day 10, they're done. And, and I believe that part of the way in which we lack endurance or perseverance in fasting is because we lack a revelation of mourning. And uh, it's where we started last week. It's, it's that revelation of poverty of spirit, Matthew 5, verse 3, the, the revelation of, the, of our poverty of spirit by which we see our lack, we see the gap between what's possible, what's available in the grace of God, where the Lord wants to take us. We read the, the biographies of the mystics and the saints, and we go, Lord, why not me? And that is, now we've tapped into mourning, which is, I, I see the gap, and I am not okay. I don't know what to do, but I'm not okay. And we talked a lot about that from the Sermon on the Mount last week. I, wanna, I was going to move on to Matthew 9, where he talks about you know the, the mourning for the bridegroom, which, which you've written a wonderful book on that subject. So I wanted to go there, but I still feel like there's a little bit of gold to mine related to a lot of it. I mean, we could talk multiple, multiple episodes, but for the purpose of, of this, this uh, podcast, there's a, there's a little more I, fi- I think we can grab hold of in Matthew 5, verse 4, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. In other words, there's something about those who mourn. This is the promise of Jesus. They will be comforted differently from those who do not mourn mm-hmm. within the body of Christ, I believe. In other words, you can be saved, born again, filled with the Spirit. You're headed for the age to come. You're going you're gonna to be resurrected, glorified. You're headed for your portion as one who has been saved by grace. But, but, uh, but I do wonder about this heart attitude that we are 
the Lord is commanding in one sense, but he's also declaring, these are the heart attitudes of my people that I want to produce by grace. This is what it actually looks like to be abiding in me. This is what it actually looks like to tap into and align with who I am. If you're going to align with who I am and be transformed into my image. In other words, I want to be like you, Jesus. He doesn't make it mysterious. That's one of the things I love about Matthew 5, 6, and 7. It's not mysterious. It's not hyper-spiritual or something we have to prophetically discern. He says it straight up. He goes, you love me? Yes. Yes, we do, Lord. You want to follow me? Yes, absolutely. You want to be like me? Yes, I want to be transformed. If If I have the Holy Spirit within, Lord, can you transform me to be like you? He goes, yes. And here's what it looks like. If you're going to be like me, you're going to have poverty of spirit as a heart attitude. You're going to have mourning as a normative way of being. That is such, I know we said it last time, but that is such a mind-blowing statement. If you're going to be like me, you're going to have mourning that looks like how I mourn as your normative state of being. Mm-hmm. Now, Isaac, in another context, you were just talking about just the, the, the difficulties of the prevailing culture, not necessarily church culture, but American culture that sometimes the church can tap into, different pockets of the church. And you were just talking about, you know, that person that's, that's out there that's, that's leaning into this message, but they feel alone as it relates to that prevailing American culture. I'd love, to, I'd love for you to, to talk yeah, about I, that a bit. Yeah, I just, I, you know, I feel for um, the, those that are out there that they just have an inner ache. I mean, they don't have language for it. And they're searching for something. But so many places that they, they're turning... Um, are offering them comfort with no mourning. And, you know, Jesus, is, he just cuts against our human sentiment. He says, he kind of brings forth this kind of paradoxical idea, if you want to be comforted, you must enter into mourning. Hmm. And it's more than an invitation. It is the way of the gospel and the way of the kingdom. Everyone wants comfort, and we can't repent of that, and we can't change our desire for that but it's the way in which we gain that comfort. And there are ways to message the Bible that are not true, that are bypassing this call to mourning, spiritual mourning, and entering into the ache of the heart and the ache of the soul. And surely the the gospel must have an answer for the pain of life, that not all things are positive, that not all things are constantly getting better and encouraging. And sometimes I feel that we can show up, you know, to our spiritual life, our faith community, and just hear everything's better, everything's okay, Jesus has done it all, so let's just be happy. And and the and the pain of our life just tells such a glaringly different story. Like everything isn't okay in my life. Um, my marriage is challenging. My kids, they're not walking with the Lord. Um, I, I'm battling addiction, depression, like all these things that come up in our life. And, but whenever we're just said, uh, you know, we're just kind of told, well, just be comforted. Like Jesus just did it, so just be comforted. But we never enter into the morning of that. And man, I am just, I'm feeling for those that are out there that are trying to contextualize the inner ache of their own soul. You were made for God you are made solely for him. You are made in his image. He is your exceedingly great reward. 
He is the only one that truly loves and cherishes your soul, right? And so if you're told all of these therapeutic, medicative ways without mourning to be comforted, I am just, I am feeling for you right now. I am resonating with your heart in this, and I am going, just look at the scripture with fresh eyes this morning so that you don't end up feeling condemned, feeling ostracized, feeling abandoned by the Lord, that you don't get bitter and angry at leaders and friends, even those in the body of Christ that don't seem to have the answers for the balm and the ache of your soul. And, you know, to whatever degree it's worth, like we're sitting here today, we want to invite you into spiritual mourning. We want to invite you into the the, the funeral of our own souls and the ache for God. I'm not talking about salvation. I'm just talking about how much of God we can actually have, how much of that river of pleasure and delight in Christ can we taste in this life, how much of the Holy Spirit can we have, on and on and on. We want to invite you into that. And I want you to feel dissatisfied, actually. I think that we've kind of preached satisfaction for too long. I want you to feel dissatisfied and feel okay with that because Jesus is laying out right here in Matthew 5, blessed are those that hunger and thirst, blessed are those that mourn, blessed are those that are, you know, you're weeping now, but you'll be comforted in, in the future is kind of the idea. And, and embracing that, but turning that into lament and longing and resolve, like we talked about last week, to go deep in the things of God while we still have time. Like we only get one chance in this life to do this. We only get one 70-year period to mourn. Our tears will be wiped away. We will no longer mourn. The bridegroom will be with us. We only get one chance to do this. He was a man of sorrows. Why would we not be a man of sorrows like him and enter into the fellowship of his grief, of his anguish, of the incomplete nature of this age? Like it's just incomplete. It's just hard. It just is. And allow that resolve to birth in us a cry and a hunger for more, that it would push us into the things of God. So anyway. So good. Yeah, I mean, it's. I just feel so tender because we're <laughs> we're in the middle of this fast, and so it's just like, wow. I just feel everything that we're saying, and I feel the Lord's invitation, like, ache with me. <laughs> like, would you be willing? I mean, and and I do think. What you hit, Isaac, is so important. It comes out of revelation in the word of God, meaning just let the word of God provoke us into an mm -hmm. aching. Let the word of God be the standard. This is what's available. There are pleasures forevermore. It's actually real. And one of the reasons we don't mourn is because we don't actually believe that the comfort is real. Mm -hmm. We don't believe it. And we turn to all the other comforts, even though we have godly terms for it and we can... We can make it look really spiritual, but nevertheless, it's Jesus plus. And we do Jesus plus all these, you know, five extra comforts, even, even the good things, whatever, because we don't really believe that that comfort is real. And so we need the word of God to cut us, to, to get in and lay hold of us to such a degree that we go, this is what is true. There is something in the grace of God called comfort. There is something called pleasure, joy unspeakable and full of glory. It's real. 
I believe you. It's real. Mm -hmm. And then Jesus says, okay, sit there in the ache of that. Because I'm not going to say, blessed are you who mourn and then get you out of that mourning in five seconds. Mm -hmm. I actually want you to stay there because this is the only opportunity you have. And you're going to thank me in the age to come because you don't get to do it anymore. And you're going to actually say, thank you for letting me stay in the morning. You delayed. You waited long enough to where that morning pressed open the capacity and I groaned. Mm -hmm. And there was room and space for the comfort. But you, you let me stay there long enough, which is actually him saying, I, I'm trusting you to not grow offended in the delay. I'm trusting you to believe my kindness and my goodness enough to stay in the morning. And then he answers. He does answer. He answers in a measure now and, of course, in fullness in the age to come. But fullness when he splits the sky and the bridegroom comes. But yeah. I'm just feeling that stay in the ache. It's a gift. Yeah, I'm just so struck by John the Baptist, which you mentioned in your message. You know, he says this joy of mine is fulfilled in John 3. Like right. this joy is fulfilled. And by what earthly measure was his joy being fulfilled? The dude lived in the wilderness. Zero. His ministry has started to decline. His disciples are leaving and following Jesus. He's about to go to prison and get his head cut off. By what earthly standard is his joy fulfilled? And we see that it's about his interior life in God, that he touched something in, the, in this age. Yes in the interior life where he could say, and it's written in scripture, holy writ, right? He could say, this joy of mine is fulfilled. That is a glorious, that's what you're talking about, Dana, when you're talking about read the word and let it cut you, let it provoke you, get a vision out of the word of God rather than a vision out of the culture and the nomenclature of the day of what defines joy and spiritual satisfaction and delight. Right. So John 15, that your joy might be full. He says that phrase, that we might enter into the fullness of joy that comes from earlier in the passage, that comes from abiding, that comes from drawing from him, living, connected with him. He, he's giving us the way to the fullness of joy. But again, it seems... That, that's the comfort that you're talking about. It, it, I mean, what you're talking about with John the Baptist, the fullness of his joy, that my joy might be, my joy is fulfilled. This is it. This is the moment. And which makes us stop and go, wait, what? What is it in that moment? Of course, he says in John 3, I've heard the bridegroom's voice. He, he spoke with me. I've heard his voice. Right. And it's more than intimacy as we understand it. In other words, John is, his joy is full not just because he talked to me, I heard his voice, he knows me, he knows my name. It's like he's, he's his cousin. They've, they've known each other for a while. But, but this is, John's joy is full because this is the consummation of something by which the earth is saved. Yeah. Like, like for John, it's the revelation he got in the wilderness from Isaiah. It's his time eating the scroll and eating the, the, the scroll of the prophet Isaiah, Isaiah 40. He's the voice. So what's he been doing all that time? He hasn't just been in the wilderness suffering. He's been in the wilderness eating. That's right. And he's been eating of Isaiah. When you eat of Isaiah and you see the earth's true condition, Isaiah 24, where you see where this is going in terms of man's wickedness, sin, and brokenness, 
when you see the glory of God that is our portion, I mean, you talk about seeing the gap. You spend years in the wilderness eating the scroll of Isaiah, you're going to see the gap between the wickedness and the sin of man and the glory that God wants to fill the earth with, Isaiah 40, verse 3. And so why is his joy full? Because the, the, it's not just the, arrive, the birth of Jesus, it's the anointing of Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit yeah. on Jesus that signals what comes next. He takes the, away the sins of the world. This is the moment yeah. in which the earth, the land, the trees, the rocks, this is the moment that begins the cleansing of a sin-filled world. This is the moment that begins the delivery of the world out of its curse, Romans 8. This is the moment that begins the victory of God and the filling of this place with glory. All of us are going to stand in the midst of unspeakable glory and beauty. Yeah. And it's, it begins right now. My joy is full because... And what, what's amazing to me is we are now, at least Isaac and I, well-versed in the superhero narrative in which the, the world is at threat. It's a world-ending kind of thing. Everything's world-ending. Every movie is world-ending. And the, and the super smart, super powered, super ripped hero comes. That's the joy. That's the moment of joy when the world is about to be destroyed and it's delivered by a super heroic figure. What's amazing about John's joy is it doesn't come by a person that is, he, he's, as Isaiah says, this, Jesus isn't somebody spectacular to look at that stands out in a crowd. He comes veiled in the most unlikely of human frames. And so it takes revelation. You eat the scroll, you get the revelation of who's coming to save the world. The human eye without help isn't going to recognize him. But John, by revelation, sees it's my cousin, the Holy Spirit. I get to, I get to baptize him and the Holy Spirit coming down. This is the moment. It takes years of preparation and revelation to have joy in that moment. That's right. And to me, that's, that's really what we're advertising. We're not advertising a hopeless dynamic. We're actually saying, if you, will, if you go the way of what you were saying earlier, the culture of bigger, better, happier, more victorious than yesterday, we're even stronger than yesterday, we're unstoppable, you go that way, your end, the end of your soul is so profoundly unsatisfying. But, but if you go the way of John the Baptist, you, you, just, you go the opposite way of the world. You go eat the yeah. scroll of Isaiah. You're actually, your life's work is being prepared to have joy on a day that nobody else can see a thing. Right. They don't, they don't even grasp what's going on. They hear a voice talking. They don't get it. Right. They, they see John weeping, you know, the Baptist weeping. They don't get it. They don't understand at all what's happening, but he's prepared his whole life for that moment. Mm-hmm. And therefore, he can say with integrity, this is it. My joy is full. Yeah. I am comforted. But you have to live a certain kind of life to be comforted in that moment because yeah. it's not obvious to the carnal heart. Right. Yeah, John had a different narrative. He had touched into a holy, eternal narrative revealed in the Word of God. So his joy wasn't temporary because his joy couldn't be taken away. And so he can confidently not just say, my joy is fulfilled, but he can say, he must increase, I must decrease. And imagine if the body of Christ in weakness said, we're going to get a vision for us decreasing in our own strength, in our own power, so that Christ can increase in our midst. Mm -hmm. And that's what the Sermon on the Mount calls us to. It, it all calls us to weakness. 
It calls us to be weak in our strength, our physical strength, fasting. It calls us to be weak with our time, prayer. It calls us to be weak in defending ourselves, forgiving our enemies. It calls us to weakness in our finances and our resources. Give away your money. He's going, I'm, I'm sending you a message that if you enter into mourning and weakness, voluntary weakness in this age, because you have a vision for joy that's beyond this age, that's beyond your own comfort. It's an interior joy. It's an eternal, everlasting joy. That's why Jesus you know, is talked about in Hebrews 12, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. And we've got to get that vision that Isaiah had, that John had, that Jesus had for beyond this age, beyond the present, beyond the plastic, culturally driven, materialistic, bigger, better, brighter promise that is just a joke. Like our kids don't believe that anymore. Like they really don't. And we need to stop saying it to them because it's really, they're seeing our lives that we've pursued those things. I mean, culturally, generationally, and it's produced nothing. It's produced next to nothing. We have no revelation in our lives. We've got nothing to offer them. We've got retirement accounts, but we're living dead, bored, dull Christianity. We've got to get a vision for joy beyond this temporary life. We've got to enter into mourning. We've got to get weak on purpose. Which I think that's why John is such an example and also an invitation to us because he lived in mourning. It wasn't just, you know, a one-time fast. His whole life was a fast. And he's going, hey, there's an invitation here. I'm not just the crazy guy in the wilderness. If you dismiss me, you won't respond to the invitation my life is giving you, which his life is also a rebuke, but it's an invitation. Yeah. And, and part of that invitation is not to the part of John that we get to see in the, in the word, but the part that we don't get to see, which is whatever happened in his soul in all those hidden years where he got transformed on the inside mm-hmm. by meditating on Isaiah, by meditating on the word of God until his whole being began to burn. Right. Until everything in him said, I agree and I want you. And you must increase. I must decrease. I'm about the bridegroom. I'm right. about that. I'm, right. a, I'm not about making anything for myself. In fact, give, I give it all away. I, I'm going to die early and go to prison, and everybody's going to think my life was a failure and a waste. But what happened in his soul in the wilderness? That's, what we, that's the, the place we've got to get into. That's the invitation. And it, it's an invitation to decades. It's not an invitation to something we can just flip a switch that is well said yeah it's like we got to do what we got to go the way that he went and be willing to stay in it for the duration till we can come up from the wilderness saying my joy is made full mm-hmm. no because a because a homeschool mom uh, a busy dad a corporate executive uh you know uh, just a, a guy working 80 hour weeks he, you know they show up they come to church they hear the message of mourning and they go, how do I eat the scroll of Isaiah? You do it a little at a time over decades. We're not, the the invitation of the Spirit in this hour isn't, yeah, you better have the scroll of Isaiah eaten by next year. If you don't do it next year, if you don't make radical changes, like work 40 hours less, well, then I can't feed my family. Yeah, I get it, but nobody's saying that. In other words, we're saying 
go the week way, not go the solve your schedule way. Like the, we're just saying, I just love what your guys are saying because you're saying, in one sense, this is accessible to anyone, which the Sermon on the Mount is. The Sermon on the Mount is accessible to every believer that loves Jesus, regardless of their time limitations, regardless of their physical limitations, regardless of their, their, even their psychological limitations. Like mm-hmm. the, the uh, some people are going, I got a learning disability. I can't, I can't read well. I can't learn well. And it's like, no, no, no. Th- that's in some ways we're all there. We, this is perfect that we're not going forward in our strength and our ability to learn the Bible. We're going forward in our weakness. Mm-hmm. It's an admission. It's an acknowledgement of something. Well, I don't know if I have time to read the word. Yeah. Again, let's not start with you carving out schedule time with your spouse. Start with a prayer. Start with an acknowledgement to God. Don't tell me that you can't. Tell God that you yeah. can't. Between me and God, one of us has real solutions to your areas of need. And so if you just go, God, I, I'm hearing this. I don't know what to do. How do I eat the scroll of Isaiah? God goes, ask me. Are you serious about that? Like, are you serious with that question? I really am. I want to. I want to go the way of John the Baptist, but I am not John the Baptist. I am housewife Jane, and I don't know at all how to respond to this. Yeah. The Lord goes, yeah, tell me that you don't know how to respond. Yeah. That's how you respond. It's the way of weakness. Right. Yeah. It's kind of like, I, I'm not a professional hunter. I don't know how to hunt. Hunger will drive you to become a professional hunter. Hunger will. Mm-hmm. Pray. You know, you mentioned just a second ago, like, pray. Ask the Lord, make me hungry. If I'm hungry, I'll find time. If I'm desperate, I'll find time. If I'm in love, I'll find time. I will. The, the love, the, the desire, the hunger will drive me to make the necessary changes. Not putting the cart in front of the horse and trying to make the necessary changes to get the hunger. Allow the hunger to drive you to make the necessary changes. I want to tell you the dissatisfaction you feel in your heart right now in your life in God, let that propel you forward. Let that drive you forward. But I want to say it again. Let it drive and propel you not into a religious performance to make God happy and not into a religious performance to make you happy. Because that to me is another version of the therapeutic end. I don't feel good about my life in God. I'm going to double down. I'm going to find the space. I'm going to yeah. make the sacrifices. Well, good for you. That is that is not mourning. That's self-will. Like that's your self-righteousness. That's your spiritual pride trying to find a way out of your barrenness. And it just never satisfies. There really is nothing better than I don't know what to do. Lord, ideas? <laughs> I, I don't know how to hunt. Lord, you got thoughts? <laughs> like, I don't know how to navigate fasting. I can't fast or I can't do this fast like you guys can. The like you guys can. I just find with the Sermon on the Mount in particular, believers constantly try to find the loophole by which they are the exception. Yeah. Clearly, you guys are a special class of believer. Or clearly, I am not of that special class. Clearly, there are reasons why some can fast. I have reasons why I can't. Again, the, the thing that levels the playing field for all of weak and broken humanity, of which we are obviously a part of, in our simplicity and foolishness, it just is, it really is, I don't know how to engage in this fast. The Lord goes, why are you talking to them about that? Why are you talking even to your pastor about that? Your pastor, if he's a good pastor, will tell you to talk with me about that. 
I, I just think we underestimate the sovereignty and the keeping of God over our seasons. And so often, I'm just thinking of like, I'll just even speak to the moms. Like sometimes there's this, those kinds of ideas that come like, I can't do that because of this, that, and the other. And could it be that some of the ways that we are hemmed in are in themselves a potential fast. They're a restraint if we will That's turn good. them in to voluntary love and say, could you use even this restraint? Mm. Some of my best seasons are when I had the smallest amount of time because that desperation was so working in me that I would take seconds and moments because I was so desperate because I had so little time. It's the widow's might. And it's, and the Lord says, watch what I'll do. Beautiful. Watch what I'll do. And you're busy. You, you know, we do have, there are busy schedules. There are busy seasons. There are all the different things, but what if the Lord knows us well enough that he goes, I see all of that. I don't hold your season against you. If you'll come to me, I've got all kinds of ways for you to see and know me more right now. Come out on the other end, use that season as an escort. Watch what I'll do. You know, I, I just think we have so many ways of talking ourselves out of it. And the Lord's going, I see, I saw all of that from the beginning. And I want to get you into it. This is actually an escort if you'll, you'll say yes to it. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Uh, I mean, sometime. I mean, I'd love to hear sometime in the future about how you walked out what you just said. Knowing the ages of your kids and knowing the ages of your kids, there was a moment when all of them were very little. They were, actually. And the <laughs> dynamics of many, many very little kids. Babies, little kids, and kids that, if they were just a little older, this would be a little easier. I mean, that season, that's where so many moms count themselves out right. in their exhaustion. And the Lord goes, no, don't count yourself out. Don't let this be your finish line. Don't settle for right here. But don't try to dig yourself out of that either and be more spiritual and draw from what you don't have. Talk to me. Yeah. I want to give you something that will really help you. And I just, I just want to leave us with that. That, that as we're uh, engaging, those of us that are engaging in the fast together, again, those of you that are not, there is therefore now no condemnation. You are not a lesser believer if you're just finding out about the fast or you, you, just, you didn't jump into this one. The, the point isn't to do this fast with us. The point is that there's, a, there's an ache. I love that phrase, but I love the, um, oh wait, we're out of time, but I don't want to end. Isaac, you said something just on the side. I want to I end with it. You just said, you were talking about, it's a little out of your field. It's somebody, you know, it's a, it's a psychologist's observation on lament. And so we, are, we get that it's not your field, but relay that. I just thought that it was so powerful, the, the way in which we despise lament, but actually it's key to breakthrough. So I'd, I'd love to end with that thought. Yeah, I mean, again, this is way beyond my uh, sphere of knowledge here and expertise. Um, but the idea is essentially that the scripture is filled with lamenting prayers that are connected to mourning and that it's part of the body and the brain's natural process to undergo healing, particularly when they've been through, when it's been through traumatic or painful events, similar to kind of the stages of grief. 
We know that the stages of grief that come are part of the body and the soul, the emotions way of healing from tragic pain and loss or suffering. And in a similar way, lamenting prayer is a way by which the, the mind, the emotions, the heart can be healed when it feels the gap of mourning and loss mm-hmm. um, because it's a cry to God when you don't have the answers. And I think in the midst of crisis and pain that many are in and, and will be in more in the days ahead, uh, I don't say that by the Spirit, but just the nature of life, right? Um, that the body of Christ needs to rediscover those prayers and cries of lament uh, because we all want to know why what's happening is happening. And we're not always given the answer in the immediate. And the prayers of lament are a surrendering uh, to God. It's a surrendering to the will of God. I'm in your hands. I mean, I think of Jesus praying, like, into your hands. I commit my spirit. I commit my ways fully to the Lord. I have ache, pain, hunger, spiritual hunger in my life. I surrender to you, Lord. Your will be done, not my will. And it's a way in which we can discover the peace and the power of God in the midst of all this emotional angst pain that we're in in the midst of this life amen beautiful thank you both of you for this two-part conversation was i mean for some they're gonna go i can't believe he's about to say it was enjoyable it's enjoyable for me i just i want to go the way that produces the most life and the most joy and if it has to be through the doorway of mourning and lament lord lead us and so that's our prayer for you that we would be led of the Lord through the pathways that produce the most joy, the most satisfaction, the most comfort. And I, I, uh, I pray that these last two have not just challenged, but, but actually provoked and stirred us to reach for that ache, that longing in a fresh way, to not just fast, but to, but to fast with a revelation of, I, I, I want more of Jesus in my life. Amen. Thank you, guys. We will see you next time. Thank you for listening. And uh, again, bless you all. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the IHOPKC Family Connect podcast. Consider subscribing if you haven't, and follow us on social media for other content from IHOPKC.